WTS presents 3, 2, 1 All the Feelings This episode Joy Pete, we're already on the third episode. Can you believe it? I can't even believe it. I can't believe it. We've already covered some of the feelings. We did change, <laughs> we did embarrassment, and now we are on to the favorite of all things. Mm-hmm. Pete, I was wondering if maybe today we could talk about joy. Joy, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Pete, I know we just offered the dictionary definition of joy, but this week I wanted to try and define it for myself in my own life versus like looking up science and stuff like we sometimes oh, do. Oh, yeah. Screw because science. I realize that joy is kind of connected maybe or gets mixed up with a lot of other emotions. It gets grouped together. And so I wanted to see for sure. what makes joy joy without looking it up. So for preparing for this episode, oh, this is exciting. We're right off the bat, Pete. Don't worry. It's not a guided meditation. It's a choose your own adventure. I did two very different things. First, well, I sat down. Yeah. First, I, well, it, you'll see. First, I sat down and without thinking about it, I typed out the first things that came to mind when I thought about joy, just like a quick brainstorm as quick as I could. And I said, I gave myself 10 seconds and then I would stop. The second thing I did is I did go to Bing and I typed in Google. <laughs> and once there, I typed in the <laughs> word joy just to see what immediate types of things came up. Now, Which would you like to hear about first? A, my list. B, the internet. The order doesn't matter because they both end up relating to each other at the end in what might be an interesting thing. I'm sort of chasing this whole segment. Don't you think I should request that you not tell me which list is belongs to which entity and make that the next level metagame? That would have worked so good, but it's not going to work. So I need you to pick. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's go with you first then. Okay. <clears throat> Dogs, otters, theme parks, family dinners, fireworks, movies, roller coasters, boogie boarding, making someone laugh. That was it. Really? That was what came up That's first. It. That's the whole list. Well, in 10 seconds. Yeah. Like, and All I right. think it was maybe even less. Like it was eight seconds. But that was like, I flushed my mind. And then I was like, Brrr. those are the yeah. things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So just remember those. No, <laughs> no. No, I mean, there won't be a quiz or anything. And oh, you'll okay. notice like. All right. Baking so fresh far, bread what I remember is boogie boarding because that's the image that I'm never going to get out of my head. <laughs> I'm a real good boogie boarder. <laughs> okay, so the internet. Then I went to the internet, yeah. and first off, mm-hmm. I had I typed in joy, and I immediately had to amend my search to neg- or minus Lawrence or minus Netflix because David O. Russell films Joy, starring J. Law, was all over the front page. Once I did that, at first I was surprised to see the sheer amount of religious sites connected to the word joy. It's like they have almost taken the word as their own. And of course, after thinking They're about just it for speaking a second, of like the, the epiphanal kind of joy, right? That correct. And, ecclesiastical joy. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, joy to the world, the Lord has come and all of that. And the word joy, I learned, comes from the old French joie, J-O-I-E, with its Latin root of jader, meaning to rejoice. I used to be religious and rejoicing in the Lord is a big part of the whole game. But mm-hmm. as a currently non-religious fella, I don't connect joy with God or religion, but that's where I made a connection to my list that I read earlier. This is sort of what I've come up with and Mm -hmm. to what I think for me is the biggest difference between happiness and joy. Now, before I go on this personally created rabbit hole, Pete, do you have any thoughts you would like to offer? I'm really, really putting you on the spot. So no pressure. Do you have any thoughts about what the difference between happiness and joy is for you in your life? 
I I have struggled uh, with with this uh, distinction, and and I, believe it or not, I have actually done a a presentation at an association of therapists and clin- clinical psychologists and really and coaches in the uh, ADHD world, and uh, we did a. Uh, I did a presentation with Nikki Kinzer of the ADHD podcast mm-hmm. in, in back in 2020 on joy and what what joy means. Oh to man, us. you're teed up for this. Okay, I'm a little bit stacked. I'm a little bit stacked because I've <laughs> I've got my research. And, yes. and and one of the things that came up out of that conversation, which I thought was so interesting, was that happiness uh, is generally considered the overall vibe. Like, are, is this experience happy for you? Is it a general state of enthusiasm and, and happiness and mm-hmm. joy is a, is the surprise unexpected euphoria that comes from a specific event. And I have since found a lot of research that both contradicts that <laughs> and supports it. So I, I don't, I don't know that I have an answer, but that one has always resonated with me personally. You and I are the same person. That's so great because this is, I've done no research, but here's what I wrote for myself. For me, happiness feels longer and calmer. Mm -hmm. In that way, it's closer to comfort for me. Joy feels more fleeting, but much more intense. Kind of like what you're talking about. This uh, Ecstatic. Yes, I feel that happiness ultimately comes also, happiness seems to come more from within, whereas joy comes from a response to an outside spark, like you just said. Stimulus. Yeah. I feel that joy comes from an outside force waking you up to how cool and exciting life can be, almost like you kind of forgot or you got too much into a routine and all of a sudden it's like, bam, roller coasters. Uh, You rejoice upon experiencing it. I don't. And that's where it connects. I don't personally mm-hmm. have God for that, but I do have other things, including those things that I listed on my list of mm-hmm. otters. And all the t- otters is such a weird one, but they really do. Otters yeah. are joy incarnate. Um, all of those things that I listed are apart from me, outside of me. And my joy comes mm-hmm. from responding to them. And I never yes. thought about it. Never occurred to me to think about the idea of within or without. And joy really does. And I'm interested, very interested, so much so I'm going to cut my part short because I want to get to your part about the contradictory because it really does things contradictory to joy coming from outside, joy coming from an outside yeah. spark because it really feels that way. I don't know how to just sort of have joy in a vacuum. Yes. And and it also it, it makes it near impossible to have a conversation about joy without having a conversation about happiness. I feel right. like we're trumping a future episode by talking about joy because happiness is right going is not going to be a thing. I think we should just play this episode again in reverse. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just play it again <laughs> and just do a do a find replace for joy yeah. and happiness and just switch everything around. <laughs> So, Tom, I have a probing question. Oh, I have a probing question. I think I got frustrated. Was it last week or the week before we were talking about choosing your emotional state? Whether you can choose to be happy. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just start down that path with the term joy. And this is what you'll get is you have to choose to choose joy, right? This is this is what's, you know, on the wooden planks that are at Pier 1. Right. <laughs> Choose joy. 
Um, Henry J.M. Nguyen is a Dutch priest, and he his quote is goes around all the time. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. And we talked about the person that you didn't like who keeps telling you to smile. Mm-hmm. Um, that I I this is a strange thing because when I think about joy, I do wonder. Should I give myself more permission to have agency in my perspective on joy, right? Like, how often do you say, I'm going to I'm gonna be joyous today, I'm going to go boogie board, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is a thing that I'm going to do because it's, it's, a, it's a, a reinforced stimulus that I know will make me feel a certain way. Does that make sense? I think so, but I never... It never occurs to me to say, I'm going to go do this because it will then bring me joy. Like, are you saying that you have to define it in those words or do you just choose to do something that makes you that you enjoy? Oh, because enjoy. somehow mm-hmm. you've internalized that uh, you you might be having a day. Right. And I say that in heavy air quotes. You're having <laughs> a day and you turn around and you see that dog mm-hmm. and you stop and you play with that dog. Hi, 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 hi. Why do you do that? Because I know that it will bring me joy. I see what you're saying. Yes, because I know if I'm having a day, this it's almost like a intervention. I'm throwing for myself. Intervention. Yeah, I I like that, and that that's the piece that I feel like is is uh, is missing because it's almost self soothing, right? Hmm. It's almost like I am I am in a stressful situation. I, I'm struggling right now. I don't know how to get to the other side of it, and so I have to have a catalog of stimuli that bring joy to turn me around. And I sort of think that if you run out of those of that collection of stimuli, then you're depressed. <laughs> right. 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 You have no tools. So that that's what this whole conversation it gets me thinking about that these are tools to change directions of our emotional well-being at any our emotional state at any given moment. And how well do we as human beings as Pete and Tom, utilize them with intention. Do we actually stop and think, okay, I'm going to turn, I'm having a day, I'm going to go play with the dog because I know it's going to turn me around? No, and that makes me jealous in a way, in an interesting way of religion. Religion, because I brought up religion before, praying is very purposeful. Yeah. You are reaching out to get a... I don't want to say a result, but you are reaching out in order to either celebrate, rejoice, or ask for help. But leaning down and petting a dog seems more, no, I, there's not intention to it. It's almost like automatic. I wonder what your uh, your perspective on being jealous of religion mm-hmm. comes at the expense of missing low-hanging fruit. Right. That Right. Like, go ahead and be jealous of religion, but you can do it yourself anyway. Right. You don't have to pray. You can be intentional about what gives you joy. Right. And I am very intentional about, like, what was on my list? Um, Theme parks. Because Mm -hmm. theme parks is intentional. I don't, I can't just meet a passing theme park on the road. I have to make a day for it and drive to it. And I have a universal... um, year-long pass because i'm a Mm -hmm. a california resident and single and so i go to universal (laughs) studios like a couple times a year it's like a gift for myself and so that is more purposeful but that's interesting i could treat more things in my life like that go in and say i'm doing this because 
I deserve it. I want to do it. I've been having a heavy day, all of those things. But it can it can be strictly like hedonic, right? Like we we talked about hedonic adaptation, right? This mm-hmm. this whole idea of of uh, you know attaching to pleasure or uh, or pain, I guess. But but um, you know when when ther- therapists talk about or or historians uh, talk about happiness, it's it's usually a, a composite of hedonia and eudaimonia, right? Which is uh, hedonia is pleasure and eudaimonia is a sense that life is well lived, mm. right? That's the, and to me, those two things are happiness and joy, right? Happiness is a sense that life is well lived. Like I'm making the right choices generally, and my life is on an upward or stable trend. And hedonia is the immediate spark of joy that has the opportunity to turn around an instant of of uh, like a low state, bad mood, depressed state, sad state, right? right? Like these are the sparks. And what comes out of that for me is, is that, uh, you know, they correspond together when I'm at my very best. Hmm. And one of them is reactionary when I am at my worst. If I'm in a state of rejection or RSD, right? Rejection-sensitive dysphoria. We've talked about it in past seasons, this idea that we, some of us are overwired when we receive rejection, right. that we we are more hurt than others. Right. And uh, that that is a comorbid sort of psychological condition with a lot of different, uh, you know, neurodiversity spectra. And uh, I happen to be someone who has a, a dose of RSD. I don't want to speak for you, man, but it, it feels like you might know what that term means. I and... don't know what rejection is, but <laughs> I'm sure I would take it <laughs> as a real winner. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, it's, the, the idea is that having being able to understand and really intellectualize your tool set yeah. allows you to access the chemical part of joy which we'll talk about, you know, a little bit later. And and that I think is really important. I, I think for this show, if you walk away with anything, walk away with a list of the things that bring you joy because mm. you don't have to go to church if you're not a church person to actually intentionalize, like make intentional your drive for joy. And I think that's enormously important. That's really interesting. Because I was really, I was still, yeah, even in my list. And when I was talking yeah, my nonsense, I was running into joy. I was happening upon joy versus choosing it, even though theme parks was right there on the list. Interesting. Yeah. You're a winner. You're a winner and you didn't even know it. I'm a winner. I didn't even know it. I don't know what rejection is. Is it okay to pray to otters? <laughs> <laughs> Now I just want to like go to a theme park and go on a roller coaster with an otter and like shoot fireworks <laughs> off. Oh I my god, best day ever. <laughs> I want the theme park to be run by otters. <laughs> oh suits. no. Oh little my bow god. Ties. 45 found dead in otter run theme park. <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> Today, I have to talk about an art form that is as old as it is profound. It's a practice that illuminates our imperfections rather than hiding them away. A practice that tells a story of resilience and healing and finding joy in what is broken. This is the art of kintsugi. 
Originating in the 15th century Japan, kintsugi means golden rejoining. And it's the process of repairing fractured pottery with a lacquer that's dusted or mixed with powdered gold. The result is a piece of pottery that looks very much like the original unbroken piece of pottery, but it has paths of gold woven around it that highlight the broken parts. Now, the legend begins with a Japanese military commander, Ashikaga Yoshimasa, who apparently had broken his tea bowl and he was frustrated. And so he sent it to China for repair. And the repair came back and it was a real Frankenstein job. It literally had metal spikes or staples in it. So he went back to his Japanese craftsman and said, okay, you've got to make this better. It's ugly, make it not ugly. The process is multi-layered. It can take up to a month, depending on the size of the piece. It begins with simply sitting with the broken pieces, understanding the story that they tell, having a moment of mindfulness with the things that are broken, pausing before rushing to fix them. Then the fragments are painstakingly glued back together, the seams highlighted with this golden lacquer. The result is more than a mended object. It's a transformation. Every object has a story to tell. These cracks might be important parts of your story. This isn't about covering up damage. It's about showing it off. It's about presenting your scars as badges of honor. Kintsugi is a physical manifestation of what the Japanese call wabi-sabi. It's an embrace of imperfection, a celebration of the ephemeral nature of our existence. It's a reminder that healing happens in connection and reconnection, in mending what was once broken. Healing does not come shrink-wrapped. Louise Penny wrote in her book, The Brutal Telling, things are strongest when they are broken. We are all marred and scarred and imperfect. We make mistakes. We do things we deeply regret. We are tempted and sometimes give in to that temptation, not because we are bad or weak, but because we are human. We are a crowd of faults. But know this, there is always a road back if we have the courage to look for it and to take it. Perhaps Penny, too, was a student of Kintsugi. The practice of Kintsugi today is a footprint in the sand on a beach, wary of the oncoming tide. But the message that celebrating brokenness means celebrating identity, history, and journey, no matter the bruises we acquire on the way, is one for the ages. Such is Kintsugi, a practice that shines a bright golden spotlight on all our cracks and seams and reminds us that joy is often found in what was once broken, now mended. Want to find the joy in life that is buried in the cracks of this broken, dumb podcast? Become a feeling friend today. For just $35, you'll get access to the member live stream when we record early access to the shows in your very own member podcast feed, our latest batch of stickers, and a present from Tom the Classic ATF Bingo Card. This is all for Season 8. That's WTS Presents All the Feelings. And you can visit our fancy new URL for the show, allthefeelings.fun, today. Thank you for your support. Pete, I loved that. And because you brought up other cultures, Mm -hmm. did you know that there are uh, words in other cultures um, which don't have English translations? That have to do with joy. That have to do with joy. Yes. Surely. 
there sure is you just. Um, that there's no way to really like translate it fully into English, but they all have to do with joy. And I found four, which I enjoy very much. And I wanted to share them with you real quick. I, okay, I can't wait. Do you want to start? Let's start with Japan. Okay. Do you know what Shinrin-yoku means? I do not. Going for a walk in the woods can sometimes clear your mind just as well as a good meditation session. Uh, they say that immersing yourself in nature is the best way to experience joy. Shinrin-yoku means forest bathing. Isn't that forest cool? Bathing. Forest I, that bathing. Forest bathing. That I've heard of. Somebody Have you brought really? that up to me not recently that you got to go bathe in the forest and you wander through an arboretum or something and it totally changes your outlook. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. Man, if I weren't such an indoor person, I would totally be into that. <laughs> I just picture you with like a bunch of animated otters, like just tromping through yeah. the forest. And, yeah. Are there um, any forests with ceilings and maybe climate control? Yeah, oh, wait. Exactly. <laughs> just they're just missing those tiny refrigerators that hotel yeah. rooms have. <laughs> um, I have another one, Pritugis. Pritug or Pritugje. P-R-E-T-O-O-J. E-S. This is from Dutch. And it's, um, what's the best way to explain this? It's an expression. You meet someone and the expression on their face makes it seems like you're both in on a joke together or like they have a twinkle in their eye or something like that. Pratujis means, uh, is a term for joy and it means fun eyes. Fun eyes. Again, there's no real translation, yeah. so that's why it's so. But yeah, but the closest thing that we can do is fun eyes, that you meet someone who is experiencing joy and is sharing joy with you. You have fun eyes. Um, I have two more. In Norwegian, um, everyone makes mistakes. That's sad. But mm -hmm. uh, when you learn, when you've made a mistake in the past and now you know exactly how to handle Something you're mm -hmm. grounded because you've done it wrong before, so you go into this situation relaxed. Whoa, etterpakloskap, e t t e r p a k l o k s k a p. It means after wisdom. So that's okay. the joy that you feel of going into what used to be a unknown situation, and now you know the heck out of it. And then the very last one comes from Sweden. Um, it is made up of two words, gok which uh g g o k which means cuckoo and otta which means early uh swedes say that one of the best ways to feel uh joy is to listen to birds in the morning and that is gokata so to experience oh. joy is to uh get up early listen to the birds in sweden hooray that's really lovely i thought so too and as a game i made one of those up no just kidding how weird and rude would that be <laughs> those are all real I don't think this connects to anything, but I watched an interview with Margot Robbie, and she said her favorite bit of Australian slang is when you want to say, hey, I'm here to get the job done. I'm not here to mess around. You know what they say what? in Australia? We're not here to fuck spiders. <laughs> <laughs> and cut. All right, Tom, we got to let's you want to keep going whenever you're ready. I'm come back to the show. Are you OK? Have, did you just go for a swim? I did uh, in green tea. OK, go. Uh, OK, so 
the uh, American Psychological Association says joy is the feeling of extreme gladness and delight or elation of the spirit arising from a sense of well-being or satisfaction. Okay. Think of that. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's the APA. They why know you, they know a thing or two. Two words when you can use 90 APA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Feel good. Yeah. Uh and and so I think the that is we go back to the what we were trying to get to earlier which is that that joy has a distinction from happiness that it is intense. Right. It is confident. It it it, it exudes in you a feeling of self-esteem, right? sort of the passionate happiness is joy. It's a pleasant state that shares conceptual space with other positive emotions, such as elation. Uh, feelings of joy arise in circumstances appraised as safe, familiar, and requiring little personal effort, right? This is something that we were getting mm. to, even when you're boogie boarding. Right. If you know how to boogie board, that's not the challenge. The challenge right. is letting the experience wash over you. And some people have a challenge in a compromised state, a challenge letting the good wash over them. And I think that's mm. the that's a, a thing worth noting. So we got to talk a little bit about uh, the feel-good twins for the brain. You know what I'm talking about. That's dopamine and serotonin. Woo! Right? Yep. Mm, I love those receptors. <laughs> and so when we get that spark and the chemicals start flowing in the brain, that's what is happening to our body. Our circulatory system erupts. Our respiratory system erupts, right? All of, we flush, we laugh, we have uh, this general sense of physical euphoria in our body when we are dealing with joyful situations. And that's what we're trying to, when we talked about the building your, your uh, list of things that bring you joy earlier mm -hmm. in the show, that's what we're talking about. What are the things that can cause you to actually experience the physicality of joy. If you're not feeling the physicality of joy, then you're maybe just happy. You haven't transcended to that next level of right. response. Uh, we do have, and we talked about this uh, uh, last week or the week before, that there is this uh, this thing that says you can use your physiology to impact your chemistry. Dr. Diana Samuel is assistant professor of psychiatry at Columbia University Medical Center, and she actually says, smiling can trick your brain by elevating your mood, lowering your heart rate, and reducing your stress. The smile doesn't have to be based on any real emotion at all because faking it works just as well. So this gets, that obviously, smiling doesn't necessarily lead to joy. <laughs> but what this does do is remind us that, in fact, we can use external stimulus. We can manufacture these external stimuli to create internal physiological responses. Right. You can train yourself. Yeah. What do you think about that? I have a question about the smiling thing. Is it because when you smile, your body is remembering times when you were smiling for real and you're happy mm -hmm. and it brings you back to, okay. So it's like mm -hmm. you you have a database or a record of what your body did when you were feeling things. And if you fake it, and you put your body into that, your body's like, oh, we must be having great times. Fireworks? I'm so glad you bring that up. Yeah, oh. because I think I can speak in a in a language that you will you will understand a little bit more fully. No, no. Because I want to talk <laughs> about how manipulatable like we <laughs> Smile make happy time. <laughs> I'd be like, all right. I graduated from college. Uh, so you, uh, you truck in, uh, uh Philip Zimbardo and, and oh, Stanley yeah. Milgram, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Right. You know Social about these experimenters. Guys. Yes. We're talking about Stanford Prison Experiment in particular, right. the Stanley Milgram experiments. What did these cho- uh, try to do? What were they we trying to learn from these guys? Well, I believe the two that I remember, the one of there's a guy in the other room and you have to shock him when he gets things wrong. And, and then the, Stanley Milgram. And then the prison experiment, which was just uh, half of you are guards, half of you are pretend prisoners. And then all of a sudden they really leaned into those roles and became abusive. Well, one is about the susceptibility that people have to the stimuli around them. That you put someone with a clipboard and a white coat and you say, no, you have to zap them, that you will, because you believe you're responding to that outside uh, because it seems authority official. in yes. in one case it's all about authority exactly and then right. and then in the other one how we have these sort of predictive roles and how you're supposed to act in them and even when there is no stakes even when it's completely wrong or unreal that you mm-hmm. will naturally lean into those predictive uh patterns is that enormous enormous power in these examples. Right. Enormous. Because look what was happening. Let's, let's talk about the Stanford prison experiment in particular. Here we are. We have college kids. We take them in a basement and we say, some of you are prisoners and you're going to put on your prison outfits and you're going to get in these rooms that are your prison cells and you're going to stay there. And then the rest of you are jailers, right? You're secure, you're guards. And you're going to put on guard outfits and carry, you know, batons and you're going to do guard stuff. You're all play acting, right? You are all faking it. The external trappings of guard and prisoner completely overtook the brains of the participants and they became the guards and the prisoners. That is incredible power that we allow our brains to exert over us. Why don't we do it for good? (laughs) I see what we're saying. Okay. (laughs) Right? We have proven time and again how malleable we are as human beings in very negative contexts, Mm -hmm. right? We know how to make each other act like animals. Right. We've we've read like Lord of the Flies <laughs> right. did this. Right. You change the external environment and our internal environment changes with it. It's dragged along. It's the same thing when you drive. You're driving along and you're changing lanes and you look over your shoulder and your hands turn the wheel, too, because <laughs> you're just we're all connected. We're all driving by wire. And so I uh, uh, this is why I come back to the triggers for joy. What are the things that we can build using the exact same social science and behavioral science that we already know that will allow us to manifest joy in our own lives to some degree. Maybe it's to remember when I'm sad, go snog the dog. No, that's not the word I wanted to use. That's British. Don't cut, no. cutting, cutting that completely. God, go snuggle the dog, right? right? That's what you want to do. <laughs> snog the dog. <laughs> Will you make that into a T-shirt just so I can throw it away? <laughs> you get what I'm saying, though? Yeah. I mean, well, how does that hit you? Does that, I mean, it does that sort of like repositioning uh, mean anything to you? It 100% does. And it's interesting that that's not as obvious. Maybe it's because we are animals. And so I just think yeah. that it's so much easier to regress, to use a word that we might be talking about later this season. Um, yeah. 
into more of an animalistic or just for me or angry, you know, because that's also self-protection instead of using it to open your horizons. Let yourself be more vulnerable and more joyous. Yeah. But it seems it makes sense that it would be as simple to do it for either one. It just doesn't really occur to me. There is uh, one other piece that is uh, likely comes out, sort of rises to the surface as the biggest of the big dogs in joy research. And I found this one really interesting. This one comes from uh, Harvard. Oh, I've heard of it. And it was the, (laughs) have you? It's a little (laughs) school in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Harvard Study of Adult Development. And this is uh, the world's, I'll say one of the world's longest studies of adult life. So the study has been following the lives of 268 Harvard sophomores since 1938. Whoa. Wait. Collecting data on their physical and medical. They're not still sophomores who just fail at Harvard (laughs) since 1938. They're not downstairs in the basement of Stanford. I I miss. (laughs) Uh, Guys. Misread that. Poor phrasing on my part. They are not still sophomores. They did, I assume, graduate most of them. Uh, and, and there are some takeaways. And they all lead back to one thing. Mm-hmm. This 80-year-long study is a significant impact of relationships on defining health, happiness, and joy. Right? Okay. That having that people's general reported satisfaction with their life their physiological uh, and emotional health as they age, their uh, uh, their moods, general tracking of moods over time, uh, they are all amplified to a deeply non-trivial degree in, in the form of they live longer, mm. right? Than those who report over time that they that they they don't find joy in relation, they don't have long uh, lasting relationships. That we're talking about deep personal friendships, we're talking about marriages, marital satisfaction. This mm-hmm. is people who are single or married, families or none, but those who report having deep personal friendships and and uh, relationships uh, are more joyful and live longer uh, over the course of well since 1938. And and I think Got that's it. an interesting thing to note that that one of the triggers in your life to bring you joy, you should probably look at your relationships and right. and how many people are in your life that you can count on, that you would call a close friend, right? To to be able to to count on them for that. So, uh, I I think that was a a really interesting lesson, and and there are very few studies that have been consistently funded to go back to these, uh, go back to the well of the same respondents over and over again for quite so long. It's incredible. I wish we were doing more and more and more of that. I know. I know. Speaking of joy, that is one of the biggest, it seems like it should be the most obvious, but it's a lesson that I have learned as someone that, I don't know if I've mentioned, suffers from anxiety, uh, (laughs) that has anxiety that when, and I know we've talked about it a lot on What's That Smell, but Mm -hmm. when I'm going through a very bad path of anxiety, my first um, reflex is always to wall myself off. I'm not myself mm-hmm. right now, so I don't want to subject other people to it because then they won't like me when the only solution is to reach out and not even reach out. And it doesn't have to be like, hey, I'm really nervous. Help me. Just talk to someone. And it yeah. just immediately goes away. So, yeah, joy is other people. They say hell is other people. But for me, joy is being around other people that I trust and care about. Yeah. It just makes everything better. Otherwise, you're Some... just talking to yourself at midnight. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and some people need a reminder. One of the triggers should always be laughter. And that's yep. a really hard thing to quantify for a lot of folks who may question their own sense of humor. And be, because humor is hard to quantify. Right. And uh, so one of the one of the recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> see. Get her done. All right. <laughs> Yep. One of the things that I think is so interesting about this is that it like keeping a gratitude journal, right? That that is a constant 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 uh, refrain is remind yourself what you're grateful of oh. every day. Remind yourself what makes you laugh and huh. and keep the going back to the well because uh knowing what makes you laugh can be an immediate trigger to get you out of whatever it is that you for me it's a fish called wanda. Oh, my goodness. Oh uh, fun. I haven't I seen could, that movie in forever. Don't call me Ken's stupid. coming to k- 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 kill me. Oh my <laughs> gosh, is amazing. Uh, and, and so laughing, as it turns out, scientifically proven to decrease pain, helps your heart and lungs, promotes muscle relaxation, and reduces, I don't know if you've heard of this, anxiety. Oh. All of those things in combination can give you that spike of sudden joy. So right. if there's a comedian you like, if there's somebody, you know, I, I, I'm not a big scroller of, of YouTube shorts. <laughs> or the reels or anything, but the algorithm has been well-trained for me that whenever I go there on the right account, I'll get the stand-ups because that's huh. what I've been looking at. And sure. so it's it's uh, it's like I've trained it as a joy trigger. And I know that if I am, oh, and also magic, close-up magic. <laughs> that gives me joy. Close oh, that's awesome. Joy. I yeah. love that. And so I'll get all kinds of crazy stuff that's just constantly coming and I can, that'll turn me around, um, which is which is really, really lovely. So- Magic. Uh, That's also on my list. I want to put that yes, there. Totally. Uh, so it, this is this is as much all these triggers. All we're talking about is is you know find the things that help prom- promote positive emotion, decrease stress, and drive let hormones and chemistry drive you toward the feelings of euphoria that come with joy. That's that is my that's my pitch. That's so interesting. Use joy. Take control yeah. and use joy to make yourself feel better instead yep. of joy just falling from the sky. That's really, yeah. I like that idea. It's not happenstance. It's right. not happenstance, right? Once we take a little bit of time to introspect, like to look inward and and discover what it is that does bring us joy. Is it the kids and family, right? Give them a hug. Look at some pictures. Uh, is it the dog? You know what you can do with the dog? <laughs> Snog it. <laughs> <laughs> so regrettable. <laughs> I don't speak British. I think that sounds good. Now I want to change it to weaponize joy. I want to make it horrible. <laughs> Lock and load, joy. <laughs> Let Joy by poet Sylvia Nichols. Let joy come into your heart. She is waiting just outside with the tenderest hands and sweetest smile that would push the portals wide. She is longing to enter in and be of your life a part, not a transient guest in your troubled breast, but a dweller in your heart. So she waits at the closed door, and beside her sweet peace stands, while radiant hope from a sunny slope is reaching beckoning hand. As they sing like the birds at dawn, each striving to drown cares dim, oh listen and hear their glad songs near, and hasten to let them in. Your spirit rise.
thank you everybody for joining us for this episode uh we really appreciate you for hanging out with us and yeah. uh, by the way this week's tune is spirit rise by aves and bellamy and uh, we are talking about what are we talking about next week tom i think this was your idea i don't know how i'm gonna approach it oh <laughs> yeah i don't either that's why i think it was interesting regression huh and so will we have a <laughs> bell that rings every time one of us use, uses the word hypnosis yeah <laughs> I yeah, well, I'm interested in the idea of because I think the uh, the idea came to me when probably thinking about the pandemic that a lot mm -hmm. of there was a lot of regression that happened for certain people. Uh, some of it good, some of it bad. Regression has negative connotations. I don't think it always has to. Uh, sometimes figuring out, moving back, figuring out what's important, what came before can lead to things like, I don't know, joy. It all connects, Pete. It all connects. Yeah, so we will be talking about regression. Of course, if you have thoughts about regression or joy or embarrassment, anything that we've talked about, you can always do something. <laughs> what do they do? Where do they go? I don't remember. They go to. They can go to the website, allthefeelings.fun. We have a button on there that says share your feeling, and you can share your feeling right there. You know, we also uh, have our Discord server, the True Story Discord server. We've got our public channel over there on all the feelings, and it's pretty quiet right now because we just opened it and the season just started. But if you've ever wanted to jump into Discord and talk with us and uh, share your all feelings, share feelings, all of them <laughs> in a row, you can do it yeah. on Discord. We'd love to have you there. And uh, so look in the show notes. There's a link in the show notes for the general invitation. And of course, if you become a member, a feeling friend, you get access to the live stream. You can watch along with us live mm. every week as we record. And man, there is some dumb stuff said. <laughs> We're There's, so good at this. We call it evidence. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I'm Tommy Mess the Third. And I'm Pete Wright. Thanks for downloading. We'll be back next week with all the feelings. Yeah. Listen to your voice and make up your choice. Uh. Just let your spirit shine Well, sometimes there ain't no 